Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Let's lift up the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords today. Amen, amen. It's good to see you in the house of God this morning. I want to thank you for being here. I want to thank you for giving the first fruits of your week to our Lord and Savior Jesus. I want to thank you for your time. I want to thank you for joining us online. And I would like us to uh, appreciate uh, Pastor Chad and Pastor Karen. Let's give it up for our, our lead pastors here at Bethesda. I want to thank them for the opportunity to stand before you today. It's always an honor and a privilege to be able to share the word of God. I want to talk to you today about resident authority, this authority that resides within a believer, a follower, a disciple of Christ. And um, to do that, I want to explain some things to you. We're going to lay a little bit of framework here. I want to talk to you about being a spirit. Do you know you're a spirit? You're a spirit. You have a soul and you live in a body. So you're a, you're a triune being. You're three in one. I have a spirit. This is the body that I live in. I have a soul, which is my mind, my will, and my emotions. And then I have a body. Much like the Lord, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit is a triune being. Three in one. Now, this is a spiritual principle, so we need to get a hold of it because this is what it's all based on. This is what this resident authority hinges on because without an understanding of this, we're not going to catch it. We're not going to get it. We're not going to be able to walk in it. So we have to understand that you can be part of something but not the whole. When... Pastor Chad talked about last week, there were only two real covenants that we can come into in this life. A covenant with our Lord Jesus Christ, which is an eternal covenant. That one lasts for eternity. And a covenant with our spouse, which is an earthly covenant. It lasts for our time on earth. We're going to focus on a husband and wife for a moment here just to give you an illustration, just like the scripture does. It talks about the joining together of a man and a woman being a representation of us being joined together with Christ. So you think about, um, let's just say that there was a, uh, um, a woman that had a house. She gets married. Her husband moves into that house. Her last name changes and some other things change. If you go to that house, it's evident that somebody else lives there. There are now two people living in that one house. You walk through the door and you notice that there's two people there. You also notice that he is there because all of his stuff's there, right? You can also tell by the outside of the house because all of his stuff is there too. So there are now two that are residing in that house. The house that once said Miss Sinner on the mailbox now says Mr. and Mrs. Saint. Now I'm talking about in the spiritual here. I'm talking about in the spiritual. 
when we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, when we come into that relationship with him, you know that that is a, um, it's a big decision, but it's not a hard decision. It's a big decision to give your life to Christ. Say, I no longer live for myself. I am not my own. I was bought with a price. I will now serve you all of my days. That's a big decision, but it's not a hard decision. It's not a hard decision. Like when the multitudes turned and went away from Jesus and he turned to his disciples and he said, will you turn away as well? And they said, where else would we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. There's one way to the Father and that's through the Son. One way. So when we come into that eternal covenant with Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes in and abides in this house. This is my house. But now it's his house too. It's no longer I that live, but he who lives in me. The two become one. Scripture says that he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Think about that. You are one spirit with the God of all creation. One spirit living in this house. So this is where he dwells. This is where he lives. He doesn't come and go. He doesn't leave you nor forsake you. He's always here. If he goes anywhere, it's because you take him there. You're kind of like God's RV. This is where he stays. This is how he moves. This is his transportation. This is how he gets around. But he's in the RV and you are the driver. You have to do some work. You have to take him there. You have to release him. You have to set things up for him. He lays claim to you so that you can lay claim to him. Everything that you have, you turned over to him. He said, Lord, anything that I could have made out of my life, I give to you. You also gave all of your mistakes, all your sins, all your sicknesses, all your diseases. And what did you get out of the covenant? All of heaven and earth. You got his forgiveness. You got his righteousness. You got everything that belongs to him. Health, prosperity, the blessings of the Lord have come upon you. Now he lays claim to us, and I, I want to use this example. It's one of the best examples I know of in scripture of Jesus laying claim to believers, laying claim to disciples of Christ. When the persecutor Paul was on his way to Damascus, he was going to persecute the Christians there. He was going to drag them out. He said he was going to persecute the followers of the way because they were in his way. They were in the way of the formalized religion at that time, and, and he wanted to, to stomp it out. He wanted to get rid of it. So he was going, and what happened? He had an encounter with Jesus. He had an encounter with Jesus. And Jesus said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? You see the claim that he has on us? He takes it personal. He said, why are you persecuting me? And Saul said, who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus whom you persecute, whom you are persecuting. In the same way, we can lay claim to him. And we can draw on him the same way he lays claim to us. Peter knew about this because Peter and John, when they were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, there was a lame man laid there, lame from his mother's womb. 
ask alms, ask for money. He was begging there at the, at the, at the gate of the temple. And Peter said, look on us. And he looked at him, expecting to receive money. And Jesus said, such as I have, give I unto thee. Such as I have. He was laying claim to what Jesus had. That's our covenant. That's the covenant we have. We can lay claim to what he has. Because it's what we have. He says, such as I have, I give unto thee. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Then later when he was telling about this to the people there and he said, why are you looking at, at us? Like it was our godliness that caused this man to walk through the name, through faith in the name of Jesus, this man stands before you whole. So what did he have? He had the Holy Spirit, he had the name of Jesus, and he had the knowledge of the will of God. He knew it was God's will to heal. He knew it was always God's will to heal. The scripture doesn't put any qualifiers on that when it says, bless the Lord, all my soul and all that is within me. Bless his holy name who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. When the word of God says, by his stripes, you were healed. Don't put yourself out of what God puts you in. You are in covenant with the most high. Everything he has belongs to you and is meant for you to walk in. He gives us this authority here on earth. In Ephesians 3, 14 through 16, we, we see here about how we are named in the family of God. It says, for this reason, I bow my knees to the God. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. The second part of that is awesome because he's, he's strengthening us in the inner man, in the spirit man, and we have that promise and we walk in that promise. What I want to really focus on is verse 15 where it says, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. It's our name. He claims us, we claim him. We belong to him. We were bought with a price. We are not our own. And if we can understand that, we can walk in this resident authority. A resident is a person who lives somewhere permanently or on a long-term basis. When you come into that, con, uh, that uh, covenant with God, with the Holy Spirit, he comes to live in you forever. Forever. You are forever joined together with the Lord. Now, to understand this resident authority, we have to have the foundation to build on. Everything has a foundation. Whether it's your education, whether it's a building, your worldview, your character, everything has to have a foundation. And if you have the right foundation, it will support what you build on it. If you don't have the right foundation, if there is a flaw in that foundation, sooner or later it will come to light. Because the structural integrity will be compromised. And all will see that you had a flaw in your foundation. And I don't know if you know it or not, but about anything you buy that says some assembly required, when you dump it out, it's got these papers in there for some reason. A instruction, direction, something. Some of them have pictures. I mean, they're kind of fun to look at every now and then. They got pictures on them, you know, one, two, three, four. How many know it's important to follow the instructions? 
we have specific instructions that God has given us that we need to follow. How many of you know from experience, if you get to step 30 and you skip step three, The only way to remedy that is to take it apart, back to step three, and to get it right. And then you will be able to complete it. So Jesus, obviously, is our foundation, the chief cornerstone. Jesus is the answer. Listen to this. Once Jesus is your foundation, God in the form of the Holy Spirit living within you, provides the resident authority and gives you instruction, lays claim to you, and brings the power to accomplish all things. At this point, guided by the word of God, you have very few decisions to make in life. By following the word, most decisions have already been made. When you look at it, Life is not that difficult. <laughs> you see something, you say, does that line up with the nature and character of my father? What did Jesus say? He said, I only do what I see my father doing. Could you see your father doing that? Could you see your heavenly father doing that? Could you see Jesus, your elder brother, doing that? Could you see it? You say, no, don't do it. If you say, yes, that lines up with the nature and character of God, I'll do that. Most decisions have already been made. I'm going to read that again. Once Jesus is your foundation, God, in the form of the Holy Spirit living within you, provides the resident authority, gives instructions, and lays claim to you, and brings the power to accomplish all things. At this point, guided by the word of God, you have very few decisions you have to make in life. Now you've got your foundation. I'm going to tell you how you need to build. God wants us to build something that's going to remain. He said it's his will that we have fruit and that our fruit remain. In 1 Corinthians, three, ten through 15. It says, according to the grace of God, which is given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid a foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. How many of you know that Wood, hay, and straw is not going to stand up too well in the fire. But gold, silver, and precious stones are. We have instruction on how to build. There's only one foundation, but we are the ones who have to build on that foundation. So build with gold. 
build with gold. God wants us to bear that fruit and for that fruit to remain. So on that day, when you stand before the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, you have a reward to place at his feet. You're not coming to God empty-handed. You don't want to show up without anything to present to the king. Now, the one who does, he had his foundation on Jesus. For it says here that he will suffer loss, yet he himself will be saved. But everything will be burned up. He'll have nothing to offer his king. So let's look at how we need to manifest, make visible this um, resident authority. Here's some very practical ways. The first one is through radical forgiveness. Radical forgiveness. In Matthew 18, 21 through 35, it says, Then Jesus came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he began, began to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owned him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold and his wife and children and all that he had and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me what you owe. So this fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him saying, have patience with me and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when, this fellow, when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. This is still Jesus speaking here. And then verse 35, he says, So my heavenly Father will also do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Radical forgiveness. We are commanded to forgive as we were forgiven. As the master has forgiven you, how did he forgive you? He forgave me completely, totally, unconditionally. The word of God says he chooses, to for, he chooses to remember our sins against us no more. It's a choice. And he commands us to do the same thing. It's a choice. You must choose to forgive. You must choose not to remember that against them. Is anybody challenged today? Radical forgiveness, radical forgiveness. In the second part of verse 32, it says, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? Notice that we are forgiven so we can forgive. You see how that works? 
You see how a disciple of Christ has to draw from him and then pour it out. The second thing is radical faith. Radical faith. In Mark 11, 21 through 23, it says, And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you, Whosoever says to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. That's powerful. That is radical faith. To believe that whatever you say, it's done. Now, if you come to me and ask me something silly, <laughs> it says, does that mean the Lord's going to give me? I say, I don't know. Why don't you get to know the Lord and then ask him? Because you're not going to ask for anything silly if you know the Lord. If he's dwelling in you and living in you, it's going to be his heart. It's going to be his will. Anything you ask, anything you say, you shall have whatsoever you say. In the uh, original language, when you're looking at that where it says have faith in God, it actually has the connotation of having God's kind of faith or faith like God or God's faith. And if you look at it that way, it helps you understand the rest of that scripture because it says, if you say to that mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, it shall obey you. Well, if you're thinking it's God's faith, you're thinking like God saying it. God spoke everything into creation. If he said mountain, go to the sea, it's in the sea. And that's the same mindset we have to have. That's God kind of faith. That is radical faith. The boldest evidence of faith, the most radical faith, is taking the broadest promise of God and applying it to the most specific situation. So you can take that verse, that blank check, and meet any need in your life or any need in anyone else's life. Faith isn't just about you. Forgiveness wasn't about you. Faith isn't about you. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit, when you come to know God, when you come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, that's about you. You needed salvation. But the infilling, not the indwelling, but the infilling of the Holy Spirit when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, that's about others. God gives you the power to get saved. You need the power to get other people saved. You need the power to witness to them. You need the radical forgiveness to forgive them. You need the radical faith to show them faith. And the third thing is radical love. In John 13, 34, Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you. That you also love one another. The same as Jesus loved me, I have to love you. Jesus said, no greater love has this than a man give his life for his friend. That's the kind of love I'm commanded to have for you. We're commanded. <laughs> you know how the Bible says, they will know that we are Christians by our love. It's love that we're commanded. It says that that is how they'll tell us apart, by our love. 
It doesn't say by our license plates. It doesn't say by our necklaces or our earrings or our tattoos or our clothes. Or our, it says by our love. Love is an action, and it has to be seen. John 15, 9 says, as the Father loved me, this is Jesus speaking again, as the Father, Father God, has loved me, God the Son, so I have loved you, abide in my love. Now, the verse before that that I read said that we have to love each other the way Jesus loved us. Here it says, the way the Father loved Jesus, Jesus loved us. So the same love that the Father has for the Son, we have to have for each other. John 15, 12, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. John 17, 23, you have to follow this one. Jesus is talking to God the Father. It says, I in them, so Jesus in us, you in me, the Father in Jesus, that they may be made perfect in one. We're all of the family of God. And that the world may know that you have sent me and that you loved them as you loved me. So it should be evident in our lives that God the Father loves us just as it was evident in Jesus' life that God the Father loved him. This is powerful stuff. This is radical love. But the biggest thing I want you to see is it's not about you. You're receiving the love so you can give it. You receive the forgiveness so you could give it. You receive the faith so you could give it. And you receive the love so you could give it. And you've been empowered to do so because you have the same thing that Peter had. You have the Holy Ghost. You have the name of Jesus. And you have the knowledge of the will of God. If you apply those three things, you can do this. I have a story here that's going to... Um, help us wrap our mind around the, the need for the foundation in which we build upon. This is a story about a, uh, something that happened a long time ago in a, in a land far away, uh, relatively speaking. That means I'm not going to tell you who or where. But um, I was talking to this person, and they, I happened to know they were, they were very involved in their church, uh, on a board at the church and everything like that. And we were talking about Jesus. You know, we were talking good stuff. And as we were talking, we talked about uh, the subject of the flood, what we commonly call uh, Noah's flood came up. And we're talking about the flood. And they said, oh, I don't believe that. You don't believe what? I don't believe the, the world was ever flooded. Well, let's talk about what you do believe. So you believe that God spoke creation into existence. You believe in Adam and Eve in the garden and the fall of man and that we had to be redeemed. So the God came in the form of Jesus, the son, and he came and was uh, born through miraculous conception, virgin birth. He lived a sinless life. He went to the whipping post and paid for your sicknesses and diseases. He went to the cross and paid for your sins so you could live with him forever in heaven. He went to the grave and then he descended into hell and then he ascended to heaven and then he came back to earth and walked for 40 days showing many infallible proofs that he indeed was in his glorified body and then he ascended again into heaven which he constantly sets on the right hand of God the Father making constant intercession for the saints and he has made a place for you to dwell that you may be there with him and you don't believe that the world was flooded. <laughs> I don't see the logic there. 
Our foundation has to be on the Word of God, and our foundation has to be strong. We have to know who we are and what we have. From there, we can build on that foundation, and that foundation will hold the works. We can build with gold, and we can have something of a reward to show to our king when we get there. If the praise team would come up, I would appreciate that. Freely we have received, freely we give. Jesus wasn't taking up an offering when, when, when that was put in scripture. He was talking about power. He was talking about the spirit. Freely you've received forgiveness, faith, love, freely give. Freely give. You know, it's not God's nature to fail. Actually, he can't. God has never failed you. You say, well, of course God's never failed me. I want you to think about this. Has there been a time in your life where you didn't see the promise of God come to pass? God says, I'm, I'm going to prosper. Why am I not prospering? God says that I'm healed. Why am I sick? God said that they were going to live and not die. Why am I at a funeral? God's never failed you, but I have. God gave the Holy Spirit to us to walk on this earth like Jesus. He gave us the authority and the control here on earth. We're the ones who are in charge. If it didn't get done, it's because I didn't do it. I failed to forgive you. I failed to show you the God kind of faith. I failed to love you. But God has never failed you. He is faithful. He will never fail you. He will never fail you. This next scripture, to me, it so speaks of the heart of God to give think about this Ephesians 4 28 says let him who stole steal no longer but let him labor working with his hands what is good that he may have something to give him who has need what a father think about that Think about that. You read this scripture and you say, let him who stole steal no longer. Say, amen. Shouldn't have been stealing in the first place. Then it says, but, read him, but rather let him labor. That's right, get a job. If you don't work, you don't eat. Working with his hands, that is good. Come on now, amen. That he may have to give. What are you talking about? <laughs> that he may have to give? I thought I was working to put clothes on my back and food on the table. I thought I was working to provide for my family. God said, you're working for them. It's not about you. You're working so that you have to give. It's all about giving. What do you have to give somebody today? Do you have something to give? You know, I'm standing here today because you prayed for me. 
maybe not you specifically prayed for me specifically, but every time you prayed, Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and somebody takes a step toward Jesus. I don't care if it's to the altar or if it's launching out a ministry, your prayers were answered. God is faithful. God is faithful. If the prayer team would come up and uh, compass coordinators, if you would come up. If you are here today and you don't know Jesus, you don't know that foundation that you have to build upon, there is no other way. Scripture says there is no other name that you must call upon to be saved. Must call upon to be saved. If you don't know Jesus, today is your day. If you'll please stand with me. Today is your day. The Word of God says now is the day of salvation. Now is the day. Don't let this moment pass you by. During this last song, if that is you, I want you to come down to this altar. I want you to find one of these people, and I want you to tell them, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. Go ahead and Look at your neighbor and ask them, do you need to go to the altar? If you're online and you need Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've never trusted in him, you've never come into that covenant agreement, today is your day. Let us know. Send us a message. Believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth. Tell people that you've made that decision. Go public. Jesus isn't ashamed of you. Don't you be ashamed of him. The rest of you if, you, if there's anything in your life that you need God, you need to get a hold of God for, come down to this altar and get prayer. I don't care if it's physical, if it's psychological, if it's spiritual, if it's financial, God is here to meet every need. And the rest of you, there is freedom in this place today. Every square inch of this place, I declare freedom in the name of Jesus. You are free to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Get out and find some space and praise him. Give him the praise that he's due. Let's praise him right now in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.